A lot of new things happening today. This is new. GS Plumbing Talk Line is 1-800-905. Oh, well. 0985. 9050989. The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line is 71307. We had a caller on the phone from Cleveland. And now they are gone. We are streaming in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, Facebook, X, Instagram, Rumble. A lot of things. A lot of different ways. A lot of different ways. So, when you're sitting there and you're trying to figure out where they get these juries from, for example, I mean, this is this is not a new thing, right? If you if you remember the trial of O.J. Simpson, there was somebody there named Joellen Demetrius. Joellen is a jury consultant. And she was there to determine which people among the jury pool would be likely to side in Simpson's behavior. Now, you pro have you ever heard of a jury consultant? They've certainly been around since the Simpson trial. And a jury consultant's job is to research as closely as possible each prospective juror by any means necessary so that the defense can select the persons who may be most disposed to find their client not guilty. And prosecutors hire jury consultants as well to determine who among the pool will be likely to find the person on trial guilty. And um, to be honest with you, this seems sort of unethical to me to be doing this, but they, you know, I, I, I it, it turned, you know, depending on who gets the most jurors of their choosing is likely to win. Now, how, how in the name of God is this legal? It probably should not be, but one thing's clear. Juries are rarely a jury of one's peers anymore. Now, I haven't been uh, I haven't been called to jury duty in quite some time. The last time I did, I had been filling in at WORD for a while. So when they got up there, you got to stand up and state your name and what you do for a living. So I do that, and I was, I mean, they, they kicked me out of there just as fast as they could. Boom, nobody picked me for nothing, which is fine. That's fine. Juries today are carefully and deceptively chosen. Now, most of the time we're, we're talking about, a, you know, I'm, I'm sure the Murdoch case, for example, had some jury consulting going on right there. But you can be certain that jury consultants were hired to select the people who would sit in judgment of Trump for each of the trials to which he has been so unfairly uh, you know, subjected to. And exactly what would the ideologically biased prosecutor in each of the absurd lawfare trials of Trump be looking for? Well, you're looking, uh, you're looking for people that like to watch MSNBC and The View, who think that Whoopi Goldberg is a sage political commentator. Uh, you know, people easily led and relatively ignorant of American history and current events beyond the leftist talking point, which is the whole that that's the whole reason media works the way it works today, so that you'll just take it at face value and be ignorant of what's really going on. They know nothing about the fact that Trump led the U.S. to energy independence. They know they don't know that he brought in huge profits for 401ks because we had enough oil and gas to sell to other nations. They wouldn't know he brought peace to the Middle East. They probably buy into the climate change hoax. They would be persons who leaped or leapt, I guess would be that leapt to be vaccinated with the mRNA jab. 
There would be people who wanted to jail the vaccine hesitant. In short, they would be people who are easily manipulated by the media and easier still by clever and deceitful lawyers intent on destroying Trump. And yes, they might be wearing masks while they were there. Jury consultants are sort of sneaky, too. They will hire people to follow jurors to see if they have bumper stickers on their cars. They research each of the prospective jurors to determine their marital status, their kids, their jobs, what magazines they may subscribe to, whether they have financial problems or a criminal record. They're going to find out their voting record. There's nothing they cannot learn about each and every one of us that might be a potential juror. They are self-proclaimed experts in body language and will know who wants to be on a high-profile jury. And the more you look at this, the more you say, how on earth is this legal? But it is, somehow. So again, there is no jury of one's peers in the American justice system today. We can all be sure that the jurors selected to sit in judgment of Trump were carefully chosen for all the wrong reasons. And that's one of the reasons they wanted to change venues in a lot of these cases, but they're not. On the text line, Dr. Phil was a jury consultant. Not surprising. Not surprising. He's sort of beholden to a few people. Each of uh, the prosecutors in these lawsuits against Trump, they're going to be looking for the angriest, unhappiest, most ideologically rigid people. Might be educated, but like most academics are, they're on the far left and certain of their very, you know, they're very much superior to you and I. Not critical thinkers. Academics are no longer critical thinkers. They believe in dogma. They believe in, you know, the facade. And prosecutors will look for people who already believe the defendant is guilty or who they believe they can manipulate. That, you know, they would excuse potential jurors who seem to actually think for themselves. People who might pick up on the bias of the judge or who have been revealed to be even remotely conservative. And the judges in each of these lawsuits are very biased. And they have no problem denying him his basic constitutional rights. And on the face of it, you know, in a jury trial, right, the judge is more of a referee than he is a judge. Because in the end, the jurors are the ones that are going to find you guilty or not guilty. They will not be, and in some cases, they may even make the sentence, sentencing recommendation. But all that stuff. All that stuff that comes with it. So far, each jury's fallen hook, line, and sinker for the prosecutors and the presiding judge's very obvious bias. You could ask the question, I guess, just based upon how uniform everything seems to be. Has this been bought and paid for? Did Reed Hoffman get involved in this one? Now, see how that works. See, I have no evidence at all that Reed Hoffman has done it, and I have no evidence at all that these judges have been bribed, and yet I can say that, and they would come after me for that, right? They would come after me for that. But everything I just said is very possible. If you look at their behavior, their behavior is horrific. Somebody that is simply going down the rule of law, they're actually quite matter of fact. They don't have to get out there and be, there's, there's no flourish to it or anything. They just simply state what the statute states and they show how this uh, applies here in this particular case and they move on. But each of the judges in these cases have denied justice in the most flagrant way. Like Kaplan. 
Because obviously E. Jean Carroll is sort of disturbed, right? And her story, like I said, it looks a lot like this plot line from Law & Order SVU, funded by Reed Hoffman. But it's also a reenactment of the, it sounds like Brett Kavanaugh, doesn't it? I was raped in a room. Really? When? I, 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 don't, rem I don't remember. It sounds the same. It sounds like this is Christine Blasey Ford again. And Eugene Carroll and Christine Blasey Ford were, are, both tools of the Democrat donors who use their wealth to wield the power they can buy. And in the Carroll case, the judge refused to allow the jury to hear any of Trump's defense. How is this constitutional at all? Then there's Judge Tanya Chutkin in D.C., Judge Scott McAfee in Georgia, Judge Ar Arthur and Gorin in uh, New York, who looks like a certified uh, lunatic. And they're all denying Trump his basic legal rights. This will not be the last word. This is just the first word. And I would have to guess that they probably have already figured out that this is all going to get overturned on appeal. And that won't matter because they will have the talking points they're looking for. It's all about the talking points. It's all about the narrative. That's what always goes on with these guys. It's always about the narrative. <laughs> always about the narrative. So when we get back, I'm sort of tired of the uh, World Economic Forum, guys. Uh, we're going to look at how far they want us to regress. And I'm just going to make a very stark observation about them. This is News Talk 98.9. W-O-R-D. The GS Plumbing Talk Line is 1-800-905-0989. The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line is 71307. Um... Hey, would you uh, would you close that for me, please, sir? The uh, totalitarianism is like a nice tub of hot water that you go and lay in, and then the uh, the totalitarians they uh, hand you the razor blade to slit your own wrist. A lot of petty rules and strange dogmas and stupid duties and forced sacrifice. Your you're, you know, you're fed these intoxicating promises of how the government loves you. And it strips you down. It leaves you naked, stripped of your free will, stripped of the thoughts in your head. And then finally, you're stripped of everything that you call your own. It takes away your personhood until the population withers into a frail, colorless facsimile of the om omnipresent state. No courage to act, no desire to think, no wisdom to pray or the conscience to object. Human purpose goes away. Society is exsanguinated, bled out of its vitality and creativity and spirituality and mirth. And then we slip under the water in the warm tub and we stop breathing. We've seen this time and time again. It happened in Lenin's Soviet Union. 
It happened behind Stalin's Iron Curtain. It was the story of Hitler's Germany, Mussolini's Italy, Mao's China, and Pol Pot's Cambodia. It has been the story of Kim's North Korea, Castro's Cuba, Chavez's Venezuela, and the Ayatollah's Iran. We have endured a lot of totalitarianism. Coming one right behind the other, it seems like. It slithers into unsuspecting countries, hiding behind the mask of an election. They disguise themselves as just one political party of many before announcing itself as the only party for anyone. And they eliminate opponents in stages. First they, you know, they, they, they talk about you, then they intimidate you, and finally they murder you. And with a couple hundred million victims over the last century alone, it is a governing philosophy that specializes in mass execution, uh, very dank, dark prison cells, killing fields, and concentration camps. Totalitarianism builds itself into society with a bunch of lies, and out of that, all you get is a death machine. And... Uh, the earth, for all the talk about Guy and everything, the earth is still very, very wet from all of this blood that has been spilled. And Western governments are now wanting to turn the 21st century into the 20th century's bloodier reflection. When you sit back and you think we're so refined and everything and you realize we repeat so many mistakes through the course of history, doesn't that sort of humble you? It humbles me. It also infuriates me to watch today's political leaders push us down the exact same path, acting like it's going to be a whole different time, a whole different day when we get there this time. The irreparable social division is all brought about by censorship. When will they grasp that coercion only makes us want to be more free? When will courts realize that the two-tiered justice system ensures the rule of law's demise? How many more lives have to be lost before those who are trying to bring this power to bear understand that tyranny always leads to terror, sometimes on their part? Totalitarian control was the force behind the outbreak of World War II and the prolonged isolation of closed societies surviving under the blanket of communism during the Cold War. Germans uniquely possessed the social memories of both totalitarian perpetrator and victim. First, they drove the Nazi ideology across the European continent. Then they suffered through a half century of uh, you know, Soviet oppression in the East. They got that temporary, you know, that sugar high off of, uh, you know, living for the greater glory of the German state and the agony of submitting to an occupying force that required absolute obedience. It, you would think if any nation on the planet would have learned about totalitarianism, it would be Germany. But instead, their leaders today seek to ban opposition political parties and silence dissent. They have learned nothing. They read nothing. They and, and this is the thing. We have all of this information, all of this history at our fingertips. We could look at it and say, ha, because this all really depends on, you know, I, I wasn't alive during World War II. So I don't know what that felt like. 
And the people that were alive during World War II, they are dying off. And so when their memories are gone, the firsthand memories of that will be gone. We'll still have, we'll, we'll still have written reports and you know uh, accountings of it and film and all this other stuff. But the real first-person memory of being there, tasting it, seeing it, inhaling it, that'll be gone. That'll be gone. And uh, so in Germany today, they're, you know, they're, they're out there quite disruptive of social cohesion. They've opened the German borders to illegal aliens from, from civilizations that will not assimilate with them. They use the absolute horror that is part of their past to slander political protesters as fascists. They point them out as the new Nazis, right? But a century ago, they rose to power by dehumanizing much of Europe. Now their ideological descendants dehumanize those who oppose growing German totalitarianism by being branded Nazis, by the totalitarians. <laughs> and in this strange milieu of uh, all this contradiction, we have Klaus Schwab, who's built the World Economic Forum as an engine for making oppressive government universal. And it's very strange to see all these Western nations send their, their leaders and their military people and their foreign ministers and all these prominent business executives to the WEF powwow where they can try to organize how to dominate and manipulate their national population with no pretense of a democratic mandate or constitutional legitimacy. And this time it's, it's, it's coming to the West, not on the heels of invasion, but with a bunch of celebrations in the crisp air of the Swiss Alps. The only thing they seem to have learned how they, they, they don't waste themselves fighting each other over this stuff. That's one thing they learned how to, uh, to, to not do. During the age of monarchies and empires, the easiest way to conquer a foreign land was to purchase their nobles. And that's what they've been doing. The most interesting thing is they're, uh, they, they work to combat threats to our democracy. These guys pretending to protect the people's will is the same thing as saying, all right, now, Fox, I know you're a fox, but, you know, you're a good fox, so guard this hen house. Getting out there and labeling anything as disinformation, that's not democratic. There's nothing democratic about conspiring with tech companies to censor. There's nothing democratic about imposing top-down climate change. There's nothing democratic about mandating what farmers may grow, what meats may be eaten. Nothing democratic about that at all. I always love it when you look at that in depth. Coming up next, we're going to look at the teachers union because they got plans for your children. Believe it. Believe it. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD. The GS Plumbing Talk Line is one 800 The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line is 7130. We are streaming live over the WORD Facebook page, the X page, the Instagram page, and the Rumble page, if that's your cup of tea. <sighs> the head of the American Federation of Teachers is, she is Randy Weingarten, and she is steadily ramping up all this crazy rhetoric against parents 
in the fight over school choice, which, by the way, most of these people that are in positions of leadership within education, they all exercise school choice quite prejudicially, if you will. Um, and Randy, she has been credited with accelerating the decline in education for children for na nationwide for quite some time. Now, parents, they've been aware of her practices. And they don't take the Weingarten latest meltdown asserting that parents undermine democracy in their efforts to remove their children from failing schools. Now, here's the thing. Educating your child is something that everybody wants to do. Everybody wants to see that done. But they want to see the best education they can get. Now, sometimes that doesn't mean sending them to school. It depends on the school. depends on the teacher. In my time, I've had some teachers that were very focused on making some of my kids, uh, you know, miserable. And it wasn't because of me, because, you know, I, in those days, I was just delivering things. I was, I was not, you know, I wasn't doing any of this public stuff. So, uh, and I, I would look at that. One time I had a teacher look at me and tell me that if they, if my son told me that he didn't have any homework, he was lying and the thing I remember about that was I tried very hard to get him out of that class. And I eventually, they fought me tooth and nail. And this was in Greenville County. They fought me tooth and nail. And he was failing a math class. And I got him out of that class, got him in the same class with a different teacher. Next, next report card, A minus. Sometimes parents know better. Sometimes they know better. And uh, since we don't, does the PTA still happen anymore? Do we still have the Parent-Teacher Association? I don't guess so. Now we have parents with pitchforks, right? That's what they're called. And uh, they're, they're trying to, uh, they're getting conservative legislators involved, and they've expanded school option legislation in 20 states in 2023. And that's pretty bad news for Ms. Weingarten and her 1.72 million union members. And the only, the only thorn in their side are these parents. Now they're filing lawsuits in an attempt to uh, uncover the extent unions will go to protect unprofessional or incompetent teachers, you know, like what I just talked about. See, a teacher to me, how a teacher does a job it is none of my business unless they are trying to, unless they're going out of their way in such a fashion that my, my child's not learning. And if my child's not learning, I don't care how many awards they've won, how many, how many, how many citations they've gotten. I don't care if they were teacher of the year. If they're not doing the job, let's move it to somewhere else. Because in the end, it's about the child, right? It's about their education, not about how the teacher looks. There were some sorted facts came out in a lawsuit filed by parents of minority students who claim the unions were responsible for their children's appalling education in California. But then, um, according to a guy named John Deasy, the L.A. Unified School District Superintendent, um, he said it can take 10 years and two hundred fifty dollars to $450,000 to fire a lousy teacher. And this is because of unionization. So here on the text line, there's somebody. So we have PTA, at least in Malden. We know that now. I, I, I would love to see more PTA out there. I'd love to know that actually happens now.
Um, they have this thing called the Dance of the Lemons. And this involves rotating incompetent teachers from one mostly minority school to another. And fewer than 0.002% of teachers in California were dismissed for unprofessional conduct or poor performance. Now, this doesn't mean that the parents are winning the war, right? It doesn't. But the fight is expanding, and it's getting more costly and nastier for the teachers. And now they're outing the Democrat lawmakers, who they claim make up a long line of hypocrites. They want to deny poor parents the right of school choice despite sending their own children to private schools, according to the parents of the nonprofit Education Freedom Institute. I will give you my experience with this, and anybody that wants to step up and come in on this one, you feel free. Uh, do you remember when the magnet school program was put together here in, in, in Greenville County? Both of my kids were smart enough to uh, qualify to go to the magnet schools, but I was not of the upper crust, which, you know, that's just a luck of the draw. I was a military veteran. I had a blue collar job. So no, I was not the upper crust and I would watch how this worked out. And I would see on like, you know, parent teacher night, that kind of thing. I would just see who was getting a lot of attention and everything. And I had on more than one occasion, I had to have a run in with uh, the school board and with the, uh, with the leadership at a particular school and simply explain to them, you go ahead and do that, and I'm going to have your head on a plate. Because I will not stop here with just you say so. And uh, there was I, I never had as much of a satisfying day as when my, my youngest child graduated from school, and I no longer had to fight this fight anymore. Because it was a long fight. And it went from school to school. In some cases, uh, you know, it was it, it was a, such a state, and it had nothing to do, uh, you know. Yes, every child has a, a idiosyncrasy here and there, but I mean, some of the stuff I was fighting had nothing to do with my child, and more to do with the power trip. On, I wouldn't get involved in anything besides something like that where the adult is doing the wrong thing. I would let my student, my 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 child, handle that part of it, and they did for the most part. They handled most of it, but when they needed me to step in, I stepped in. And, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was quite, quite interesting to observe some of the things I observed, which is not to say that I have any axes to grind with Greenville County or anything over this. During the time when uh, we had the magnet school program, that was, I think, meant to revitalize schools that were in areas that they felt like they needed to, uh, hmm, how should I put it, maybe they were rough. And they were looking to make them a little less rough. And they were looking to attract some scholarly talent, which they did. But then once they got that scholarly talent, then they started playing a game with it. And that's just my observation. If there's anybody that had a student there in the 90s and you want to refute what I got to say, feel free to step up. Make sure the sh your sword is sharp because I'll be coming for you if you do. So... School choice is the thing that everybody wants to, uh, you know, keep regular people from doing, from using, from utilizing. And that's the problem. Because if you do that, then the worst schools with the worst teachers are not going to have anybody there. And then they will only have, it, it will just get worse from wherever it was. And, you know, if they try to move the teachers out to the good schools, then the upper crust parents are not going to put up with that. So, they're so busy protecting teachers' jobs, and the ones they have to protect, a teacher that does their job, there is no greater adult than a teacher that knows how to do what they got to do. No greater adult. 
that it becomes that force in a young person's life, if that's what they do. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD. When I first heard Justin Trudeau, I, you know, I was alive when his uh, father was running Canada, Pierre Trudeau. So, you know, just like the Bushes and all the, and the Kennedys and all these other people, I just thought, okay, well, it's more of this uh, nepotism politics going on here. He came into power in 2015. And from the start, he seemed way too cringe to be real. He could not see the difference between a virtue signal and being a statesman. And he loved the Tumblr talking points. But he, he didn't know how to turn those into political ideology that was real. He once chided a woman at a public event for using the word mankind. He said we like to say people kind. But recently the Canadian federal court came out and they reminded us the, uh, you know, Beneath all of this, you know, the colorful socks and all the wokeness and everything, there's a very dangerous authoritarian there wearing that suit. And I'm talking about the Freedom Convoy. In January 2022, the truckers blockaded major trade routes and rolled into Ottawa. And they were there for a month. And it was almost like a carnival atmosphere as they occupied the Canadian capital. All this because of a change in vaccination rules that would have made life intolerable for unvaccinated truckers. Even though most people were already jabbed and the threat from the COVID was well on the way. But that turned into a bigger revolt against the lockdown and the contempt it showed for the blue-collar worker. And uh, Trudeau's response would have made Xi Jinping blush. Absolutely blush. He invoked the Emergencies Act for the first time in Canadian history. He granted the government sweeping powers to freeze their bank accounts, break up demonstrations, crush crowdfunding efforts, and compel tow truck firms to clear the streets. And all of this was happening, by the way, as all of this was slowly breaking up itself. It was resolving itself amicably. Those who parked up in Ottawa had been peaceful. They'd held cookouts and hawked horns and danced the dances, which is why there were remarkably few arrests. But then Trudeau sent in the heavies. And now a top Canadian judge has decided that this clampdown was illegal to boot. His invocation of the Emergencies Act has been deemed an infringement on Canada's Charter of Rights and Freedoms. Not justified in relation to the relevant factual and legal constraints that are required to be taken into consideration. And all of this bears the lie of their absurd demonization of the peaceful multiracial trucker protest as a dangerous far-right insurrectionist movement. Even many of the claims to justify the clampdown have turned out to be lies. Like... The police had to admit that claims the truckers were armed amounted to them having tools and tire irons. Not a single a trucker in, was arrested in Ottawa for illegal possession of or storage of a firearm, according to the Toronto Sun. They had bouncy castles there, though. <laughs> and with that, 
Trudeau was talking darkly of the kids being used as human shields. Straight out of the whole totalitarian handbook. What if Trump had done this while he was still in power? Millie would have led a coup. Trump would be locked up right now in some secretive facility buried miles beneath a mountain where they keep the Bond villains and all the UFOs. And yet, while the Western uh, press loves Trudeau and love, uh, loathes the working class, his trucker crackdown was given a free pass. Even the avowed left-wingers repeated the government's absurd smear. They were fascists and noxious reactionaries and far-right populists. But Western leftists have become so bourgeois, as as Devin would say, bougie. They're hysterical and historically illiterate. And they see any assertion of the power of the working class as fascist. And... For all the talk of the populists and their simple-minded working-class voters ushering in the new 1930s, we can see the real threat here. And it not just in Canada. There's a lot of these guys trying to be out there all over. Jacinda Ardern in New Zealand. Emmanuel Macron's brutalizing of the uh, uh, Gillette's Joannes or whatever they're called. Joe, Ban- Joe Biden's Banana Republic. All of the centrist darlings of our age have turned out to be itching to shut up, lock up, and even beat up their own citizens. Especially those with the chutzpah to stand up to their, for their rights and their livelihoods. The technocrats have always been illiberal. They're always going to be illiberal. Uh, don't look to them. Don't look to them. So, Trudeau's unconstitutional assault on the truckers the whole illiberal liberalism thing, that's a little too weak. That's a little too weak. If they get backed into a corner, they become despotic, and they're going to crack down hard on those who dare to challenge their brittle authority. But fear not. Those of us that are real and true to our country, we are the medicine. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD, the voice of the Carolinas.